What is going on, fellas? Welcome back to Clarky's Corner. I gotta tell you, I got Kryptonite by Three Doors Down playing on the headset. I'm ready to let it fly right now, alright? So let's get a grip. Let's get into it. We're just gonna go over a little bit of week two, kind of look forward to week three a little bit. This is gonna be our our college football catch-up this week. Catch, catch. Not Heinz 57, catch-up. Catch-up. All right, so first got to talk Texas, gentlemen. We're going to talk four big teams. We're talking Texas. We're talking Bama. i got to talk Clemson. i got to talk my boy Jackie off of a ledge here. And then I can't go, I can't go without talking about Coach Prime. we got to talk about Colorado. All right? So let's get into the Texas talk. Are they back? What's... Are they back? Is Texas back? I really can't tell. Texas might be back, fellas. They looked really good this weekend. They have probably the best wide receiver room in the country right now. I'm fully confident it's it's down between Texas and USC for me, for the best wide receiver room in the country. And I don't really feel bad saying that. I think it's legit. My biggest takeaway from the Alabama game, though, they were more physical. They were more physical up front. I'm going to talk about Bama as soon as I finish with Texas. I, I think it's fair to talk about the winners first. They were the more physical team. They dominated the trenches. Their pass rush was incredible. And that had to do a lot with Bama's pass protection. But the pass rush was so fun to watch. As someone who played defensive end, and I love watching that kind of defense and that kind of game, I had a blast. I thought it was a great game. It was a great watch. It was a good atmosphere in the stadium. Honestly, if you watched this game, it didn't seem like it was in Tuscaloosa, did it? Alabama was the team committing penalties, false starts, lining up wrong. It's, it was hard to watch for Alabama. But Texas seemed to have the home field advantage. It was weird. It was weird. There were times where I had to catch myself like, Oh, this is this is in Bryant Denny Stadium. After the game, when they when they rushed over to the small student section that Texas had there, I was like, "Wait, where where are all the Texas fans? They're in Texas. They're in Austin, Texas. They didn't make the trip." That was that was my biggest thing is the line of scrimmage and the fact that Texas just kind of put them in a chokehold. They kind of just put them in a sleeper hold, like you do with your little cousin or your little brother, and. They let them squirm around, let them think they had a chance, but they didn't. It was bizarre. I don't know that I've seen an Alabama team perform that way. It's going to get cleaned up. I feel bad for those boys in practice this week. I feel really bad for USF, who they play this week. Let's just go ahead and segue this into our, our little Bama chat. They were sloppy. They were so sloppy. That is probably the worst Alabama team that I've seen since Nick Saban took over. I'm not saying it's the worst team, but that was I should rephrase that. That is probably the worst Alabama performance I've seen since Nick Saban's second year in Tuscaloosa. It was it was tough to watch. I've said that a couple of times, but I really mean it. The offensive line play was poor. They couldn't really establish a run, and because they couldn't establish a run, they found themselves down a few times throughout the game. And then they have to throw, and that put their pass protection in a terrible spot. Caden Proctor, who is a 
It's big-time five-star recruit, top of the class this past season. He is a plug-and-play starter at left tackle, and he struggled immensely. I know he's more of a run blocker. He's kind of a mauler at left tackle. He's like 6'7", 350, 330, something I mean, just absurd. Just absurd. Something an 18- or 19-year-old kid shouldn't weigh. That's That's not a kid. That's a 55-year-old man. But he, he struggled. He struggled immensely. Uh, Texas's edge rush was... They were sending pressure and they were scheming pressure. But honestly, when when I noticed it, they were just coming right at Caden Proctor. They were just putting a man on Caden and letting him win. It was, it was bad. And you notice Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow is a crazy athlete. And I was having the discussion with the guys I was watching the game with it. I don't know that he's going to be able to play quarterback at the next level, but, God, that guy could go play running back or receiver at the next level. I'd have him return a punch for the Falcons tomorrow if I could. He is a freaky athlete. His burst is something I, I you don't see very often. You don't see that burst out of the pocket, especially from a guy like that. He has a rocket arm. He just he was seeing ghosts. That pass rush got to him. When it got late in the game and it was an obvious passing down, you could see you could see Jalen kind of shaking. And then you you saw that pass rush come off both edges. It was getting there immediately. And even the even the plays where they protected him well, he was scrambling. He was he was panicking in the pocket. So the few times that he actually had a pocket, you could see him bring his eyes down and kind of panic. It wasn't great quarterback play, it wasn't great offense in general. The defense was good in spots. Penalties really ate this team alive. And that's not something we're used to seeing from Nick Saban. Now, he's the greatest coach to ever ever play in the game or ever coach in the game. He definitely is the GOAT. So I think he's going to have him bounce back. I'm not writing Bama off for the season. I want that to be made very clear. I am not writing Bama off at all this season. It is a tough loss against a really good Texas team that's going to compete in the Big 12 and could potentially compete for a, a national playoff or a national championship and a playoff spot. So this is not a bad loss from Alabama. For them to play as poorly as they did and keep it close for that long is actually relatively impressive. I'm looking forward to seeing this team bounce back. I feel bad for USF. They've got a weird game this week. They're going to USF. So they're going to be in South Florida later this week. We'll see how that plays out, but it's not looking good for the Bulls. We talked about Bama, so we got to talk about the thorn in Nick Saban's side over the past decade, Clemson. Clemson lost that game to Duke. I didn't have a week one recap. Clemson lost to Duke two weeks ago, and then this past weekend really struggled with Charleston Southern for a good bit of time. They really didn't start establishing themselves until the second half. They kind of got a gap in between them in the, in the second quarter, and then they really opened it up in the second half. But let me tell you, I think, and this is really just wishful thinking, Dabo's got to see the writing on the walls, right? He has to. Regardless of how he feels about the transfer portal, that is that is what it is. Duke had the better team when they played. Duke had the better athletes. Clemson should never, never walk out on the field and just get outmanned. But they did against Duke. 
And even in that Duke game, they were able to dominate the line of scrimmage in the second half and then had some unfortunate turnovers. Regardless, though, they didn't have the athletes Duke had out on the field. There's no explosiveness on offense. Their defense is good. Clemson's good at churning out great defenses. Up front, they're solid. They're solid. Their pass protection's okay. Cade Klubnik was really beat up in that game. Their running game is solid. I noticed, especially with Phil Moffa, I'm a big Phil Moffa guy anyways, but I noticed he was getting gritty yards. I think Dabo Sweeney has to just let Garrett Riley take over. I saw a tweet during that game, actually, that said, Dabo said Garrett Riley was there to coach the Clemson offense. He's going to coordinate the Clemson offense. He's not bringing his scheme in whatsoever. And Dabo, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? The transfer portal thing is what it is, all right? Whatever. You're you're willingly giving up better athletes, whatever. If you want to win with the guys you recruit, then win with the guys you recruit. But you've got to put them in a good position to win, and this offense is not doing that. Without Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence, they're nothing. They have been nothing. DJ was good at times, but look out at on the West Coast. DJ Oyunglele is lighting it up for Oregon State right now. He is lighting it up. He had, what, three or four, five touchdowns week one? That dude's going crazy in a more pro-style offense that really shouldn't go crazy like this Clemson spread should. So I don't know... I don't know what changes need to be made at the University of Clemson, but something needs to change. But let me tell you, I actually am buying in on Clemson right now. I'm buying in on them now. It seems like morale is the lowest around Clemson. I think now's the time to get in on it. I think Garrett Riley's going to take over a little bit more. I'm hoping Garrett Riley starts to implement his own system and really start to call the plays he wants to play, not that Clemson offense. That's just what I hope. I don't know. Their pass pro hasn't been great. Their run game was solid against Duke and Charleston Southern. So we'll see. We'll see. I think they just need to let Garrett Riley cook. But that's me. Who knows what Dabo will do? That guy, let me tell you. I'm sorry, Clemson fans, that you're having to watch this. We got to talk about Coach Prime. We got to talk about Coach Prime. I don't make the rules. We just live by them. We got to talk about Coach Prime Colorado. Guys, do y'all realize the over-under for this team coming into this season? It was a one-win team that Deion Sanders took over in the offseason. He gutted the roster. He brought in an unparalleled amount of transfer portal players, and they were given a three-and-a-half win total. Their over-under in wins this season was three-and-a-half. They're halfway there. If you picked the over, they're halfway there. Love that for you. I really do. I really love that for you. Have you looked at Shador Sanders' numbers so far? We know he went crazy against TCU, but this past week he he just continued that. Let me let me read you Shador Sanders' stats thus far in this season. Two games into the season, might I add. He has 69 completions. On 89 attempts, that is 77.5%. We'll round it up to 78. 78% completion percentage. 903 yards. 900 yards through two games and six touchdowns. 
So if he continues that over the next 10 games, so I just took that number and multiplied it by 6, that would be 414 completions on 534 attempts, given he maintains that 78% completion percentage. 5,418 yards. 5,400 yards? Are you kidding me? Are you joking? And then 36 touchdowns to go with it. Now that's just his passing numbers. That's not including anything he's chipped in rushing. Guys, this is uh, this is crazy. This great. This is crazy. I don't know what to even say about this Colorado team because it's something we've never seen before. And the fact that Shador is going out and saying, "Yeah, the step up in competition actually isn't quite what I thought it was." is alarming and nobody can even say anything to him about it because like he's performing just as well if not better than how he was at Jackson State. So if we're talking Heisman, Shador's on the list. I plan on making a Heisman video here soon talking about who I think is going to be in New York. Shador's on the list. Travis Hunter's on the list. Dion's coach of the year and it's not even close. It's not even close. I, we're only two games in the season. I do understand that. There's still plenty of time. But what's going on at Colorado is insane. You know when they signed Deion Sanders, they didn't have the money to pay him? The athletic director agreed. I think it was like a $28 million contract. They didn't have that money. You seen their stadium? You seen their scoreboard? They did not have that money, and they signed him anyways. Well, they made the money. If they haven't, they're gonna. This team is performing way above expectations. I don't want to see people recalibrate those expectations, though. So I presented that three-and-a-half win stat because I want people to remember to stay grounded. This team won one game last season. They're not going undefeated. If they go undefeated, someone up the difficulty. All right, this is not NCAA 14. Dion. there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. They're going to at least lose a few. But the fact that they're going to probably hit that four-win mark halfway through the season is remarkable. It is incredible. We need to give Dion more respect than we're already giving him. And I know everyone's already pouring love all over him. It doesn't matter. Give him more. So they've got Colorado State this week. I'm looking forward to that game because the following week they actually have Oregon. So I don't want to see a look ahead, low performance. We see that all the time in college football. We, we've got that a few times throughout this, this week's slate. Not many big games this week, but several next week. So we could end up having some teams kind of sleepwalk through practice and games this week, and things could get a little sketchy for them. I'm going to go over a couple of those games after this, after this breakdown of Colorado. But after Colorado State, they've got Oregon and then USC back-to-back -back weeks. Those are going to be insane games. I hope, I hope. Shador versus Bo Nix, that's a Heisman race kind of game. That's a Heisman moment kind of game. Same thing the following week, Caleb Williams against Shador. I can't wait. I really can't wait to watch either one of those games. They've also got UCLA at the end of October. So back-to-back -back weeks, they've got Oregon-USC the next couple weeks. And then at the end of October, October 28th, they've got UCLA. First week in November, they're going to have Oregon State. Those are two other sleeper teams in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is pretty good this year, guys. 
the Pac-12 is no joke. And if we look at the SEC's out-of-conference games this this year so far, two weeks in, it's not looking good for the SEC. It's looking great for the Pac-12, ACC, and possibly Big Ten and Big 12. Did I already say Big 12? I don't know. I don't think so. Anywho, I'm looking forward to that. And then Colorado also ends the season with Utah. So that's going to be a big-time game, especially with some Pac-12 championship implications. I imagine Utah is going to be in that discussion. I would love if Colorado is in that discussion as well, but we're going to have to see, guys. Remember, three and a half wins. Three and a half wins. They had one win last year. They were given three and a half this year. They've already got two, so let's see what they can do. Hopefully they can get that third this weekend. We'll see. So let's fly over a couple of the games I'm looking forward to this weekend. Bama is going to USF, as I said. That's going to be a bloodbath. I feel bad for those boys down there. Texas is playing Wyoming this week. Texas is coming off of a big win. They're getting into Big 12 play next week. So let's that's one of those look-ahead games. They just got a big one. They've got some coming up. Hopefully they, they stay on task. I think Sark's going to have those boys ready. I think it's going to get ugly in Wyoming. Uh, Georgia has South Carolina. That always is one of those close games where it shouldn't be. Uh, South Carolina has always given trouble, uh, given Georgia trouble. So that's obviously a game I'm going to be watching. But if it's a closer game than people realize or than people expect, I would not be surprised. Tennessee has Florida. That's another one of those in-conference SEC games. It's always closer than it should be. Florida is bad. Florida's bad. Tennessee is not bad. Tennessee is pretty good. This should be ugly. Probably won't be. I don't know why. That's just SEC football. This is actually a pretty big rivalry. It's one of the more underrated rivalries, Tennessee-Florida. I'm excited to watch that game. Tell you what game I'm super excited for, and it's probably going to be playing at like 4 a.m., Stupid. Oregon versus Hawaii. You know I'm riding with my Rainbow Warriors, boys. You know I'm riding with them. And I want to watch Bo Nix play some football this year. Apparently, Bo Nix is doing great. I don't know. I don't know. I When I think of Bo Nix, I think of Auburn Bo Nix, who just said, F it, Seth Williams down there somewhere. You know, that's what that's the Bo Nix I think of. Bo Nix is actually a totally different player at Oregon. He is right in the thick of that Heisman conversation. Would not be surprised at all if he ends up in New York at the end of the year and maybe even a top three round draft pick next spring. One of those sleeper games I was looking forward to where uh, Ole Miss might get caught looking ahead is uh, they're playing Georgia Tech this week. I despise Georgia Tech. I really do. I... I'm from Metro Atlanta, so it's just natural. You love them or you hate them. I was a huge fan of what Tex put on the field the past few weeks. The Louisville game, it it was weird. It was really weird. But they haven't played bad. Ole Miss just came off of a big win against Tulane. I know you're thinking, Tulane? Are you serious? Tulane's a good team, all right? And they gave Ole Miss a knife fight. Ole Miss has Bama next week. I don't want to see Ole Miss looking ahead, but that's a big one for Lane Kiffin, especially if he thinks it's winnable. Florida State has Boston College this week. Boston College is always one of those teams that just kind of stays in games, it seems like. That's a team we've seen at their height. Clemson always struggle with. At their height, Florida State tend to struggle with them. 
Boston College is just a gritty team. It's like they're like Appalachian State, Appalachian, Appalachian App State. They're like App State. There's just one of those teams like they have. That's kind of their thing. You're you might beat them, but you're gonna have to earn it. You're not just gonna walk out there and get a free W. So, looking forward to that game. I just love college football, guys. I look forward to just about every game. I'm looking forward to LSU versus Mississippi State. Mississippi State had a tough win this past weekend. They won, right? Yeah, they won. So they're playing LSU. I'm looking to see LSU really establish the running game, maybe get Jane Daniels going. We have KSU Jr., Hootie Who, Kansas State is playing Mizzou. That's going to be a really big out-of-conference game, Big 12 versus SEC. We really need the SEC to show out, guys. The SEC is looking bad. If you're an SEC homer or you believe it just means more down south, we need the SEC to pick it up in out-of-conference play. Mizzou is going to play a big part of that. Mizzou is not a bad team, but Kansas State's looking good. Kansas State is coming off of a Big 12 championship, so we'll see. Penn State has Illinois. Illinois is another one of those teams. They just got to hang around. They just hang around. Penn State looks really good this year, guys. I think Penn State might have a chance. This really might be the year where, they're, where they get one on Ohio State or Michigan. This might be the year that they get the Big Ten Championship. They might make a playoff appearance. Those boys are playing hard. Those boys are playing well. Sean Clifford is finally gone after like 15 years, and this team has made leaps and bounds in the offseason, it looks like. I'm excited to see what Penn State can do. This game might not be super competitive, but I do look forward to watching Penn State play. That's James Franklin has a has always had a well-coached team. So I'm looking forward to it. Washington has Michigan State. Have you guys been paying attention to Michigan State in the news lately? Mel Tucker, it's not looking good for you, bud. It's not looking good. So it's not really clear whether he's... I believe he's just been dismissed from the team and he's suspended indefinitely without pay. So he hasn't been fired yet, I don't believe. I could be totally wrong. But there's some... Sexual assault, sexual misconduct stuff going on with Mel Tucker. It doesn't look good. He's been dismissed. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Washington looks really good this year. Michael Penix, he's another one of those guys that could end up in New York at the end of the season. So we'll see how Michigan State looks this week. Those kind of things tend to go one of two ways. Either Michigan State's going to come out super fired up and ready to play hard and could sneak one on Washington, or they just lost their head coach. They could come out super deflated and just get pummeled. It's it's really one or the other. It really is. So uh, I actually plan on watching that game. Mel Tucker, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's all I'm going to say on it. And then, of course, we got Colorado and Colorado State. Colorado has made themselves must-watch television. So... Caleb Williams was must-watch TV at the start of the year. He still is, don't get me wrong, but I'm not missing a Colorado game anytime soon. That's for sure. So those are some of the games I'm looking forward to this weekend. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share, follow, love, download, comment, whatever you got to do, please. I appreciate you listening. Thank you all for tuning in. It really does mean a lot. I apologize for the week, week and a half off. No excuses are good enough. I plan on getting back to it here this week. Thank you all for tuning in. God bless you. Good night.